Speaking of getting booked, this podcast is about one thing, getting booked to speak more. Whether you are an established speaker or a newbie, we want to see your career take off. Hundreds of speakers are hired every single day, and you are next. Let's jump in with your host, Matt Browning. Hey, what's going on, speakers? What's happening, my friends? Welcome back to Speaking of Getting Booked with Matt Browning. And of course, this is the show where we interview meeting planners, promoters, seminar leaders, chapter presidents, anyone in charge of booking speakers for live events. Now, if you've been listening to the course anytime over the last year, there's a big move of virtual events. So we are starting to incorporate a little bit of both, but we want to talk about principles and ways that we can get you booked at either type of event. These should work in either way. But joining me today is one of my uh, very, very dear friends, someone I've known now for years in the speaking world, Miss Julie May. Julie May's uh, founded the company Speaking Seriously. And she does everything from speaker training. She has multiple different types of industries and seminars and events she produces from large prepper expos to speaking trainings to women's events to entrepreneur events. The list goes on. But Julie has produced, I don't even know how many I'm going to get the number from her, but a lot of events. I personally have spoken at many of Julie's events. And she has also gotten me connected with many different stages. So I am so excited to pick the brain of the one and only Julie May. Welcome to the show. How are you? Doing fantastic. I'm so happy to be on here. Thanks for having me, Matt. Hey, you are just such a rock star. I love, you know, right now in 2020, Utah is actually, I think, my only planned trip for the year so far for an event that you had connected me with. And it's, I, I've gone back many, many times. You're the only reason I've gone into the Utah Basin. I have nothing against it, but you were the draw to come into it. And I love the people out there. When you got started doing stages, did you start first? Because I don't think I know your whole background. Did you get started as a speaker first? Or did you get started as like a, on the, the promoter side of things and working in there? What, what was a little bit of your background in that speaking world? I'm going to say it was a mix. So we... I kind of had like this situation where we went through a big trauma as a family. And when we got to the other side of it, I started getting asked to speak about that at a few local events, but we're talking like really small things. So I would show up and there might be 10 people there. I'm sure you've had those events. And this only, I was doing that for maybe like three months when I really, and I think you get this, I was having just kind of a conversation with God one day and I was like, okay, tell me a little bit more about what you want me to do with this whole situation. You know, I feel like we've learned some things and I feel like I'm called to speak about this, but this isn't getting a message out very well. And, you know, I kind of had like a big download about our first women's event and how that was really going to help them. And our I planned it exactly like as I was inspired to do our first women's event, had 300 people and we've kind of gone gangbusters since then. And so it went, it, they kind of went hand in hand where I was speaking and event producing kind of simultaneously from the beginning. Did you ever have, did you have sort of a plan of like, hey, if I do my own events, I could get booked more to speak myself. Did you see those as, I guess it sounds like you didn't really see them separately. I've always seen them a little bit separately. Like, hey, I want to speak. And I want to put on my own workshops and events. And I didn't sort of look at them as like the same thing. It was almost like one would help the other one. But it sounds like from your story, you just were speaking. And then it was like, well, why don't I put on my own event? Did you have any like any real reason to do that? Or was it just this dream of I feel like we're supposed to do the event. So let's put it on. 
swear to you, Matt, it was like God told me to do it. I know, like that's so good. That's just what it was. And there was no strategy. There was no, like, I was so new. I knew nothing. <laughs> I did not like set out to be the greatest speaker of all time. That kind of came later. It was really like him telling me, this is how you're going to help people. This is part of why you went through this garbage is to help people in this way. And so we put it together for that purpose. And the funny thing is, is we didn't have strategy. I had no clue what I was doing. And just kind of going off of inspiration. And I did hire a coach about events like maybe two months before this event happened. So we, we planned it for over about six months. And that last month I hired somebody to help me on. And, you know, for the absolute ignorance I had, I'm totally shocked that we, we had the 300 people and we turned a profit from day one. And, you know, since then we've been super strategic about things and, you know, have used the one to serve the other and to get a message out and to make it profitable. And this has become the thing that supports my whole family now. But in the beginning, like Incredible. seriously, not even kidding you, I, I had no clue what I was doing. And it was just like, well, that's what I feel prompted to do. That's what we're going to do. Right, so well, let, let's go into a little bit of the promotion side first. I think that would be a, a good topic. And then we'll jump into kind of with the promoter's hat, what you look for in speakers. So first thing that sticks out to me, I think everyone's wondering is your first event, 300 people, a lot of speakers decide to put on their first workshop, seminar, conference, event, what have you. You know, mine was, sorry, I said 300 people. Mine was six people, including my parents. <laughs> So I didn't have this. Now, also in fairness, I didn't have God tell me that I should put on an event not till years and years later. What looking back, not just the first one, but ever since then as well, I know you found some some tools that work. What are some of the promotion secrets? Because again, I've been to many of your seminars, many of your conferences, and you pack the house. And time and time again, you've done this. Some are smaller in comparison, some are bigger, but you're always, you know, 100, 200, 300 people what are some of the, the basic ideas? And maybe it's not just a tactic, but if I'm starting out, okay, if I want to put on a workshop next year, what are some things looking back that I should be thinking about as a speaker promoter to make sure I can really get people to the event? So if you're looking like a year ahead, there's, there's a few things. One thing is you really need to have a, a huge organic following on social media not like a paid following, but like an organic following that understands you and what you do. I think that's one of the biggest things right now. My audience will go wherever I ask. Like I'm doing an event. They just kind of show up at this point, right? Because they know who I am, what I do, and we've built a trusting relationship. And so I would say that's number one. And we're going to kind of come bring this back into what event promoters are looking for. I think a good, strong social media presence is one of the first things a lot of event promoters are looking for I as agree. well. Um, so I'm going to say that's number one. Then now my next one is going to probably be like, really, you do that? Yes. And it totally works. So this is where I zig when everyone else is zagging. A lot of people right now are doing like all of their promotion online and people will tell you have this expensive funnel or pay this much for Facebook ads or right. like whatever it may be, right? Check this out, Matt. When every time I go speak, I collect information from the audience, like most speakers do, but I, I collect one piece that I think a lot of people don't collect and that is their physical home address. Come on, come on, so bring it. Over the years, I have collected 
probably, you know, and maybe a thousand physical home addresses for my following. And they get pieces of mail from us that promote the events. And I tell you what, it's one of those things that you would think is a totally old fashioned thing to do. Nobody sends physical mail anymore. But that's why it works, right? That's exactly why it works. That's exactly why it works. And then you have to be really careful too. It's kind of like the email thing where if the only thing you send an email is promotion, then they stop paying attention to it. Okay. So you have to like send things in the mail they don't expect that are just like a card of, hey, wishing you a happy May from Speaking Seriously team. They think that's cool. And we like hand sign them and make them very personalized as much as we can and you know stuff like that so that when a promotion piece comes along then they're like oh my gosh i love those guys i'm excited to get their mail they open it they see it they're very excited about it one way that's working right now that's kind of a different way to look at what a promotional mail might look like is it you send something that sort of looks like um a wedding invitation and it kind of has the same fonts and it's like you're formally invited so and so and so and so have formally invited you to this gala or this whatever and it's all beautiful and guess what they come no joke that's brilliant thank you because i've seen you know the, the ones i hate are the the ones that make it look like it's a check from the bank or a credit card or something or or i saw this one this this was all, this actually made me mad. Somebody sent, it was like final notice and it was a final notice for a marketing, you know, thing to enroll in. And I thought, you know, that's just, I don't like that. I like how it feels like something I want to look at That's smart, but I think that's like such a negative feel. I love the wedding invitation idea that so smart. Yeah. And we, our team will like, when we can, we'll hand address the ones to like our ideal clientele. So you know, you know how you have sections of your list, the ones that are kind of our ideal clientele. I love all my children the same. I love all my children the same, Julie. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's there's some that I'd like to hang out with more. It's hard to hand address a thousand. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. So so you're going old school on promotion for there. I also love one of the things that you just going back to that first thing, I want to make sure this is really clear. Look, you said instead, everyone seems like they're looking for these, like, what's my, I need to get new leads. I need to get new leads. And that is important, but you're talking about, no, start cultivating and really get this following. And it's something I've noticed from your events. And I like this. And I want to talk about this if we can in my world, oftentimes I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to run more of this workshop where I'm the star, so to speak, right? I'm the expert and I'm training NLP or speaking or whatever. And then at the end of this three-day seminar, we're going to do this offer for maybe a mastermind or coaching program. That's a pretty common seminar formula. Mm -hmm. And I know you do versions of that, but you also do a lot of seminars and conferences where you're not necessarily the star star. And I hope you know, you know what I mean by that. You'll have a main keynote speaker, you'll speak on stage, but you'll, you actually feature a lot of different speakers and it feels like you're attending a conference. And what I noticed is I've been to many of them and you can have some of the same people will buy tickets to multiple of your events because it's not like you're looking for this fresh person where, you know what I'm saying? Like they, they came one time, you did your three day thing, you pitched them, they didn't buy. And now it's like, crap, I need more people. I need someone new to hear my pitch. You're not approaching it like that. You approach it as you're someone I care about. I want to invite you to all our seminars and conferences and things, and they're going to get exposed to new speakers every time. Yep. So hence the social media following works really well, and you can do a lot without getting a ton of new leads 
constantly. Is that fair to say? Yes, absolutely. One of our biggest things is it's all about relationship. We're not looking to have somebody come in and try something once and buy or not and have it be over. That's not what we're about at all. I love we're you for that. We're looking for like a long-term relationship. They don't buy that time. Oh, well, let's still have a relationship. How can we serve them in another way? What does that look like? And some of the things that have come from that have been incredible. Like we've had people that a, and you'll probably have this too, that have come to our workshop style event. That's kind of like what you're saying. And, you know, on the third or fourth time, they've said things like, you know what? I just wanted to see if you actually cared about me. And I wanted to see if this was different than just those sell by night and don't yes. care at the end of the day. And then they become like our best clients. And we have relationships that work for two or three years where then they want to buy the next hire thing and the next thing and the next thing. And, you know, we go on big trips together and things like that. And for us, that's what it's all about. That social media relationship becomes like an in-person event relationship. And I think that if more people saw things as a long relationship where you care about what happens to them, sales become easy at that point because they know you care about what's best for them, not just your bottom line. Very, very good. I mean, we could have... I don't want to go there right now, but we could yeah. go and have a very long conversation about, I don't know. Well, let me ask you one question on it. Do you think that the seminar industry is like poised for a shift in this way? And here's what I mean. Like, for instance, say 10 years ago, plus there was around that 2008, 9, 10 mark. I remember there was a lot of multi-speaker, like every speaker sells event, you know, where it's oh, like yes. two grand, two grand, two grand, or five grand, five grand every hour. Yes. And What's funny though is it worked because it worked and a lot of people made a lot of money, a lot of seminar promoters, a lot, you know, the, I don't want to name any names, but there's a lot of speakers that we both know that made a ton of money during that time. Mm -hmm. And it, it, people were happy because it was like, oh my gosh, look at all these things I learned. And then I bought these courses from these mentors. But over the years, it kind of became this, oh, that's that pitch-a-thon, sell-a-thon thing. It's very annoying. I don't want to get sold to. And these are people that went to a lot of seminars. And so for me, I think it started dying out and people were like, I don't want that. And what yep. emerged in my estimation was this new model of, I'm going to go deep with you for three days and it's just going to be me and maybe a small team. We're going to teach you. Maybe there's a couple of speaker spots. And then it's somewhere around day two, day three, I'm going to offer you my coaching program, my mastermind, whatever. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's even that starting to die away a bit too. There's some people that it's working really well. Do you think that that model of, you could do it with integrity, certainly, I'm not knocking it, but and I, I still do it, right, in a lot of ways. But that model of like, hey, everyone come and then everyone buy right now. And if you don't buy next, do you think that it's still working, but do you think it's poised to change? Or do you think it's just kind of, it's staying, but people like you, you want to do it differently? I don't know if that question even came out right. I don't know. I'm just trying to think off the cuff, but does that make sense to you? Do you feel like that model is poised to change or is that model going to stay, but you want to do it differently and more effectively? I think it's poised to change. Definitely. Because there's so many people I think the reason like the, the sell-a-thon situation where it's all sales every hour, people knew exactly what they were getting into at the end and they would just choose out of that kind of event. I think that's kind of the way the three-day events are going is they know dang well, <laughs> like by, you know, day two afternoon or whenever you're going to do your sale, that that's what's going to happen. And, you know, the they're whole ready thing, for just, it. They're ready for it. It's different than... 
it has been in the past. You know, remember back when you said, hey, get on a strategy call with my team. And <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. And they're like, oh my gosh, a free session with you and I don't have to pay. This is amazing. Exactly. And now people are like, no, thanks. Pal. Oh, you mean get you mean get on a free sales call. Exactly. You mean I don't have to pay you for you to sell to me for an hour? Outrageous. <laughs> What? What are you talking about? So, yeah, I think it is changing. Um, there's a lot that's changing. And it used to be like people would buy into like pretty big programs at the end of a three-day thing. And they still are. But the, I, I'm finding they want to spend a little bit more time with you and build a relationship before they're going to pop down 40 grand or something for a really large thing, you know. So that's what we're finding is it takes a little bit longer to build that relationship. They have to have seen you on social media for a while. They have to have come to a few of your events. They might try a smaller program. You have to like cultivate this thing and have a long enough relationship with them where they really trust that you're going to deliver on that higher ticket item. Yeah, I, I I agree. I've even been messing around. You know, let's just talk about it live. Why not? I think people like this conversation. I've been messing around going back into sort of the membership uh, subscription community that mm -hmm. I, I poo-pooed a little bit a few years ago because I was still in the world of like, hey, I provide a ton of value. I believe I'm one of the guys with integrity and there's, you know, a lot of people out there with integrity and some people not and there's various gray lines, I suppose. But the point is, you know, I'm like, I know what we do is good and I know like when it comes to NLP training, but I would still, I thought the best, most effective is do three days with me and then I'll offer you the, you know, the high end program um, somewhere in that five figure mark or close to it and, or, you know, high, whatever, four figures, five figure, but like say that's the program. And then it's kind of, you know, go or don't go. And my belief that I got instilled as a, as a speaker and a coach and a seminar promoter, I mean, 15 years ago that I still, I'm, I'm fighting to like get rid of it. You know, I'm using NLP on myself. The belief of one of my first mentors said, Hey, if they walk out after the weekend and they don't buy, they're almost never going to buy after that. And like, that was the belief that I really built the whole seminar business on. And, and I saw it always playing out to be true. When somebody said, Oh, I love what you're doing. I'll be back. And it's like, no, you won't. And maybe one out of 20 come back and buy later. But it was, it, it was that, it just, I always felt like a car salesman, you know, and I'm not knocking car salesmen. Please don't get upset guys. But like, I'm talking about the slimy one that you don't like, you know, the one that holds your keys hostage. You know, I always felt like that kind of person. I thought that's not me. I don't want to sell like that, but that's how you have to sell. So now we're talking about kind of switching it around where it's like, I, I did a, a virtual training recently, Julian, I offered a, a $1 trial to a $47 membership where they get a million times that like they get every course I have, they get everything access to whatever they want. And I just thought, you know, instead of trying to cram everyone into this big decision, it's like, look, come hang out with me for the next month for a dollar. And you watch the value that rains down on and let's mm -hmm. just be together. And I think the people were shocked that I didn't do some big webinar pitch at the end. And I, I, I don't like those big webinar pitches at the end. They're fine for some people. They work in some cases. That's great. I never liked it. Are you a fan of that short, the 90 minute webinar, 1497, 1997, like pitch at the end, you know, no. you, yeah. you don't like no. that either. Uh -uh. <laughs> yeah. No, but I'm in your land where I'm, I'm loving the membership idea. And that was something in the beginning I was like, well, the heck I'm going to have to get like a 
bajillion people at $47 a month, but that's not, you have to think long game yes. and you have to think the relationship. And I just talked to someone today on a, a podcast, uh, we we're talking about parenting and he said the exact same phrase. So with parent, with kids, don't think short game, think long game. Mm -hmm. And instead of like correcting this behavior and getting them to do what you want, it's like the long game is the relationship. And I really love that, how, how that just translates into business. Let's pivot for a second, Julian. Let's talk about from the speaker's perspective. Awesome. For you, um, if you had to guess, how how many speakers have you put on your and other people's stages, if you had to guess? Oh, shoot. <laughs> uh, now I'm doing quick math in my head. And you could count maybe? me, and you yeah, could count me multiple times, the people that you've put on multiple stages, because I think that's what I'm talking about is how yeah. many how many stages have you booked for speakers, we, including I, yours? Yeah. So since we've only been doing that, like, oh, maybe I, I, two to 300. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, so, yeah. so you've seen a lot of speakers on a lot of stages, many of them yeah. yours. What, what I teach, and I think you, you could easily see this category, you probably teach it yourself, is when you look at getting booked on stage, sometimes you're going to get paid to speak. Sometimes you're going to speak for free and make a sale or give a gift to build your list. And sometimes you're going to pay to speak if it makes sense in a sponsorship type thing. Yep. Let's, so are we on the same page with that? Oh, absolutely. Every single one of my events, we have all three kinds of speakers on my stage. That's just, that's the world of how it works. And that's yes. why I'm excited about having you on because a lot of people that promote only do one of those or two. Mm -hmm. So let's first talk about getting paid to speak. Now there's the, the corporate keynote world and, and so forth. But for you in particular, one of the reasons I'm excited about having having this conversation is that I know you've had, you have like celebrity guests, you have guest speakers that you will pay you to whatever the fee is, but you pay, I know that, and you bring yep. them on stage. And that's a big draw. Can you speak to what would it take? Let's just say I go, man, I want to position myself in a way that someone like Julie will see the value and go, Matt, I want to pay you a fee and fly you in or whatever, because you're going to do what? What does it take to be seen in that position by a person like you? For me, and it may not be the same for everyone, but for me, it is seriously, how recognizable are you to my community? Um, does my community want to hear from you so badly that they'll do anything to get a ticket? So like one of our events, we had somebody come in that would, was really well-known around my community, but may not be outside of Utah. So we had this gal named Elizabeth Smart come in. Um, she was abducted from her home, and it was a big deal a while back. I'm going to say it was about 10 years ago. And oh, she yeah. was from Utah, right? So everyone in Utah knows her. Like, my following knows this story. So we book Elizabeth in. And people were so dying to hear her story that were my followers. They flew in from... Texas and Alaska and like all over the country to come to our little town in the middle of nowhere, which you've been to before, where you have to like fly into Salt Lake, rent a car, drive. Are you talking hours. about Vernal? Yes. <laughs> I love <laughs> which, Vernal. But you man, Vernal, it's a, right? It's a trek. It is a trek. But like people flew in from all over the country because for our following, that was somebody they really resonated with. They knew her picture. So one of the first things we do when we are kind of scouting people out, and we did that for our event that's coming up in June, we'll kind of go through and go, I think maybe these eight to 10 people could be people our audience resonates with. And we'll do a quick poll. We'll put their pictures up and we'll do, the first thing we ask is, do you know who these people are? Oh, with no name? No name. 
I love that. So you're really looking recognizable and we can't overstate that yeah. enough. You have, if you're recognizable, if you can get yourself recognizable, that's going to bump your speaker fee up. It totally bumps your speaker fee up. If, and I'm not great with names. So I'll, I do that one first and I go, Oh yeah, I totally knew, know who that face is. Then, so we did a poll and that brought us up, uh, the, our top two people. Right. And then we did it by name. Cause some people are more auditory. Tell us who you would want to hear more from. Here's a list. Who would you pay a ticket to come hear more from? And hmm. basically we let our audience pick these last two times we've let our audience pick. Um, and beforehand, A, we check out a few things. Is the speaker fee something we're willing to pay? It's with, like, we have a certain budget, obviously. You know, we're not going to probably bring in Tony Robbins, even though our people would be dying to hear from him, and he's recognizable, and he's phenomenal. He's probably not within what we're willing to pay for this event. Maybe another but, event. But And, and you think event. about events, like Russell Brunson pays to bring Tony Robbins into ClickFunnels. Exactly. But he's also doing however many, you know, 4,000 or so people in an event. And if you have a 4,000 person event, then exactly. a speaker fee in that 100K plus range mm -hmm. might make sense because bang for the buck. So, it, you know, it's, it's just a simple matter of the math for that. Would you, and you don't have to, don't feel weird to not, but would you be willing to share kind of a budget range roughly that you might look for in a celebrity speaker? Absolutely. That's one of the things we will share. Um, oh, I don't tell you how much I, I spend on each one, but our that, range that's is exactly. usually <laughs> in, in the ten dollars to $20,000. Okay. So, so you'll spend upwards ten dollars to $20,000 for the right speaker with the Absolutely. right, as we'd say, the right drawing power. Yeah. And it's paid off every single time, like no fail. I think one of the things that has brought us some of the most success is that we weren't afraid to do that. It's almost like borrowing credibility. Like when I first started, nobody knew me from anybody. I was total greenie, but I could say I produced this event with this many people and Elizabeth Smart was here. And, you know, one of the famous singers in our area came and did a free con or concert for everyone. And, you know, once we were able to kind of connect the fact that I produced those events and those were the celebrities involved, it kind of like bought me credibility that sure. has paid off for years and years and years. And also like, because you can almost guarantee the audience at this point, we know what our audiences are going to be. It really helps the speakers who may be the ones that are going to be paying a sponsorship. Would you like to speak directly after Kurt Cameron, you know, this is what it's going to look like. It's easier to get a yes on something like that, which is one of the ways, you know, we monetize an event. Very, very good. Okay. So if I want you to pay me a bunch of money to go speak on stage, the number yeah. one thing I need to be is recognizable and yep. recognizable translates to drawing power. So speakers like be thinking about that. And here's, here's the tough thing, right? It, what you're really talking about is celebrity mm -hmm. and celebrity no matter what you think about that, celebrity cannot be understated. And where does celebrity happen? It's like, you got to have, how many of these people, by the way, Julie, that you would say are recognizable people you've paid to be on stage have been on either TV or in movies? Maybe three, like not, not all of them are that way. So like, for example, in What are June, some other examples of that? Cause you know, you got Kirk Cameron, obviously yeah. growing pains and everything else he's done and left behind all his movies. Elizabeth yeah, Smart, yeah. you have, you know, she was all over TV, right? She because was all was over a, TV. A big yeah, famous yeah. story. Exactly. So, but like in our June event that we have, we'll see when this plays, but it is going to be JP Sears, 
who is known as oh, ultra on. spiritual on YouTube. But you have JP Sears. Yeah, yeah. He's gonna be so great. I'm so excited. Okay, so yeah. he so JP Sears isn't network TV, but I'll, I would I would definitely say he has hit a level of celebrity in that personal growth space. Exactly. You know, because a YouTuber is a YouTuber, but he's definitely beyond one of the more famous YouTubers. He's a celebrity guest at every event he attends. Like he's he's become mm -hmm. a big a big deal and definitely known. That's for sure. That's a good exactly. Good point. So when we kind of had our here's the people that we could possibly have number one, number one, number one every single time we did any polls. Really? Speaker, yeah. And his speaker fees are completely reasonable. You would be shocked. I was like. Heck yeah, we are doing that all day, every day. We'll have you back next year. So <laughs> well, I'm excited. I'm gonna I might look into him. <laughs> you might look into him. I'm just saying. <laughs> like, very good to work with. So far, everything's phenomenal. And so um an example of something you might not expect that uh is another one of our well-known speaker, well, well-known humans, not known as a speaker, that's coming in June. She's actually like one of those people that did like a Facebook live and it went viral. Um, she's known as the Chewbacca lady. So if you've ever seen the Chewbacca mask gal who like, she's just a mom, she's sitting in her car. She bought a Chewbacca mask for herself. And this video went super viral. Our audience loves her. Well, she turned this little viral video that she had on Facebook. It was actually the most watched Facebook live of all time in all history of Facebook. Um, but she turned that into a speaking career and she's actually really good. And so she'll be coming out. Well done, Chewbacca lady. I know, right? Her name's Candace Payne, but yeah, <laughs> that's who she's known as. Well-known Candace Payne. Okay, well yeah. done. Uh, let, let's pivot into the, let's go the opposite side now. And I love this as a model, by the way, because if you can have a, a paid speaker spot that's going to have drawing power, you can also offset that as a promoter of the costs by having sponsor spots where you have speakers. And I've done that many times with you or we'll pay yep. for a spot. And then of course I can make an offer or sell my coaching programs or gain clients or whatnot. It's a great way to gain more clients through paid stages. What does it take for you besides cash, because that's an obvious, but what does it take for you to be a sponsor speaker? And I think the second part of the question is, who should consider being a sponsor speaker and which who shouldn't consider being a sponsor speaker where they pay for stage time? Okay, so we'll hit the first one, which is what do I want to have on, like if I'm the event producer and I'm looking for somebody to uh, pay some money for my stage, which is a process we're going through right now, this is one of the biggest things we look for is can I trust that when you sell my people something that it is going to be so well fulfilled at the end of the day that everyone's happy because having you on my stage selling something is like I am promoting and saying that this is something that I agree with and if I haven't done my homework to really know that I trust in you, I trust in your programs, you've got good testimonials, I've talked to people who have worked with you, that I'm probably not gonna have you on my stage because that's a sacred space for me. And I want my people to be taken care of, whether it's from me or with somebody else. In, so in, in a lot of ways, so when it's like you're talking about endorsement, in a yeah. lot of ways, if like if someone's on your stage and they sell a program, it feels to the client as if they just bought from you because if that product or that fulfillment sucked or the person wasn't in integrity, then they're like, hey, what the heck? I went to this Julie May event and then I got swindled by this speaker. 
they're going exactly they're gonna to connect it as if it's the same as if it's you, even though you believed everything and they said everything right, but then they ended up being you know, fraudulent or something at the end. So it's more than just a reflex on you. People feel like it is you. How important yep. is that? Um, how do you vet, aside from you know, testimonials and whatnot, how do you vet someone? Let's say I'm brand new. We've known each other for years. And I hopefully, you know, we have the roadmap to show it and we have people that have yeah. been to both of our events for years and can, you know, say, they can say, hey, this is, this is the real deal. But if it's brand new, how do I break into that and say, hey, I want to pay you money. I want to speak on your stage, but you don't know who I am at all. I just found out about you. Let's just say it was cold, right? No relationship uh -huh. and no referral. Is there yeah, an so easy way to kind of help to, to bridge that gap together? If it's cold, I'm going to ask you for referrals. <laughs> so okay. yeah, like there, there has to be, you know, whose stages have you spoken on recently? I'd like to talk to them and see what their experience is, because not only am I looking for you to fulfill the client end of things, I've also just had some speakers that were crappy to work with. And I'm like, I want to know that gig too. I'm going to ask them for um, a couple of names of clients that have worked with them and phone numbers and I will seriously call them. Like, I will be like, hey, I just wanna know a little bit about this mentor or coach. What can you tell me about them? You've worked with them. You know, I will seriously call people because that's how important I feel this piece is that, you know, if, if it's not a referral from somebody I really, really trust, I'm gonna do some homework on it. I appreciate you saying that. So guys, what I want you to take away from this as a speaker is don't be afraid to reach out cold to someone like Julie or someone like me and say, hey, I know you have this event coming up. I'd love to see if you have any sponsor spots or I'd love to be considered to speak there. And then right off the bat say, you know, here's a few references. You know, I've, here's some events that I've spoken at or here's some people I've spoken for and they could tell you, you know, what a great experience it was. Like that goes a long way. So that, that's the, the paid deal. And then I guess the second part of the question then, sorry, I asked this early on, but let me ask it correctly now. Yeah. Who, in your opinion, and I think the question who should do it and who shouldn't pay is yeah. more about like, if you've seen speakers probably pay to sponsor and then be frustrated, like, oh, what a, what a racket. I didn't make any money from it. And then you have some people like me, I'm like, oh, all day, every day, that fee is worth it. Yeah. because the business I can build from it. In your opinion, who shouldn't consider paid stages? Who's not ready for it? Or what's the, how would you qualify yourself, I guess? Okay, there's a few things. So number one, are you a good speaker? And do you know how to sell from state? If you don't, because even if you're doing a free giveaway, you're doing an opt-in. If you don't share the benefits of that and why people need it and all of that in the right way effectively, then you're probably not going to convert. So like seriously train on how to convert, have a plan. Don't go in there blind, just thinking, well, I hope somebody buys something from me and you don't have a plan for how to execute that from stage, from after stage. You don't have a funnel after like, okay, for example, Matt, I saw you speak recently. There was a $97 offer. A lot of people bought in, but I'm positive that there was a plan for after the $97 initial offer, right? Um, yes. <laughs> I'm positive that that's the case because if that had been it and there wasn't a plan for how to follow through and what that next step looked like and how we were going to nurture that relationship into the next thing, into the next thing, even though you sold like 
crap out of that audience and did very well, it would have been like, well, it, you know, you come up away with a couple of thousand bucks, you know, it's just not worth your time. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, and that, and that goes back to, to what we talked about earlier, which was like the value stacking and, you know, I can do the 997, 1997 offers after an hour presentation, but yeah. quite frankly, I don't like it because there's this feeling of like, yeah, if I do it just perfectly and I follow the formula, you know, and all that, but yeah. it just, it still feels like I've pushed someone on a first date to be intimate with me. And I'm like, you know, I don't, I'm not that kind of guy. I don't exactly. want you to have to do that on the first date. I, but if I said, Hey, this was nice. Do you want to go out for ice cream later? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And to me, like $97 with a big value add was just a lot easier. And then if you have a backup plan, you can really justify paying top dollar for stages because of your plan. Exactly. So you have to know how to sell from stage, which you do. And then you have to have a plan for not just this step, but what happens when you get home? What's the next contact with them? What's the follow through? How are we going to build the relationship? You know, there has to be a plan further. And kind of goes without saying you have to have programs to serve them. <laughs> so, you know, if you're not at that point where your programs are developed and you know how you're going to, what the program is you want to sell people into, that's not there yet, then you're probably not ready either. I've also seen, okay, so this is kind of a different way to look at it. I've also seen where people have used kind of a sponsorship onto a really big stage to help them get on other stages. So it wasn't necessarily to sell that audience. It was to try and get on maybe a different stage where they were going to sell the audience at that stage. So it was kind of used as positioning. It's like, oh, look, you've seen me on big stages like this, where I was seen with this person and look at this audience. And then they use that to get on the stage they really wanted to get on. So I, I like that a lot. And you know, again, it's like sometimes your ROI, your return isn't a direct, hey, I paid this much money and I sold this much product. Sometimes, especially early on, you know, I, I teach a thing and I'm sure you'd agree with this and probably teach a version of it too, that it's like kind of the, the big stage or the famous stage where once you've had some famous stages or some big name speakers you've spoken with, it's a lot easier to book everything else. But you can toil like I did for years speaking on every little unknown stage with little unknown people. And it's wonderful. And you're speaking to 10 people and 20 people, but it doesn't help you get booked anywhere else, even if you've done 100 of them. But if you've been, if you spoke at some big name place or with some big name speaker, you can really leverage that. It'll even go in your bio. Like I could add in my bio, you know, and I've shared the stage with, you know, people like Kirk Cameron and, and, all different people you've had on your stage. And yeah. that's a side benefit that's, that is very valuable, that it's valuable, but it doesn't give me money like as a direct ROI. It's an indirect ROI that might give me more leverage with a relationship. Or maybe I'm selling a client down the road and then they research me and they see that I've spoken on stage with these people and they go, oh, well, maybe you are more legitimate. So there's a lot of indirect ROI you can get from sponsors too. Exactly. So I see it that way as well. And as long as they have the mindset that it, it works that way and it does serve you long-term then, and they, okay. So photographic evidence, if you're going to do that, have a photographer there with you taking pictures all over the place so that you can use them. that. My dear Julie is such a brilliant idea. The amount of things early on in my speaking career that I did or places I went that I have no evidence of Oh, yeah. Now, I can put it on my bio. I can say, I did this thing. 
And I've had a lot of clients, like we do this event now, um, the big stage, and every year we pick a new famous organization. And this year we're doing the Air Force Academy in conjunction with them. So it's like, there's people who said, oh, I've spoken at big places. I've spoken on the Pentagon or I've spoken at a, you know, some, some well-known place, but there's no photos. There's no video. There's no that social proof that you want to use and put on your website and your social. So getting that. And I've had, by the way, many of your, and I'll say multiple times, at least two or three different times speaking on your stages, I've had either your video person or a, a photographer you've had generously ask if I would like to have shared some photos or some things like that. So mm -hmm. I really appreciate that about your environment that there's some freedom in that. I can, you know, you're not going to guarantee, Hey, you're going to get these wonderful shots, but it's really nice that the team you work with is always willing to help and support. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things we teach our people is exactly what shots to get. Actually, I'm like, hey, if you're going to be on this side of the size of the audience, you want the photographer on stage with you taking one over the shoulder out to the audience. You can see how big the audience is. You want to, like there are some strategic shots you want. That is the money shot right there. That yeah, one of, hey, one. here we are in front of everyone. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. But like having those, that's really valuable. You post that on your social media. You get those on your website. How easy is it to get that next stage? How much more credible do you look to that next client or that next producer? It all does add up. Very good. Let, let's then let's kind of continue on with this and talk about the last one. I think maybe the most interesting one is free speaking. You have had, I'm sure, many people over the years that have spoken and not paid and also mm -hmm. people you didn't pay. And maybe they did a free gift. Maybe they sold. I know there's different places where you'll say, hey, maybe you can sell an item and we split or do a, some kind of a split or it's a, hey, yeah. you can't sell. What does it take though? I want to get booked on your stage or one of your stages. What does it take to say, hey, like ideally I'm not in the place to pay a sponsorship, but I would like to speak. What are some of the ways that would make you consider or even say yes you're the one for me as a speaker. Well, there's two things there because it there's free and there's revenue share. So there's two different things there. If you're going to revenue share with me, again, we're going to do all due diligence. And then I want to see that you know how to sell. So I will do due diligence on that. Then separately, I think is somebody, I didn't pay them. They didn't pay me. Uh, most likely they're going to do uh, an offer for a freemium at the end. Occasionally they'll even sell at the end. Can you explain uh, freemium? Freemium to make is, sure. yeah. To me, a freemium is an opt-in. It's usually done digitally, although we don't. We do it with a little postcard. And you get, in exchange for the audience member giving you some information, name, phone number, whatever, they get, you know, maybe a free ebook or a short video course, like maybe two or three little videos that's a free exchange of you get this information from me, I get this information from you. A lot of people do it as a text opt-in. We've actually found that uh, opt-in rates are higher if you use a postcard. A postcard. So yep. I, I love that. So let's put that out right now because I have text opt-in stuff and I use that yeah. sometimes. But when, especially when I have a new speaker, if like if the whole thing you're, you're, you're doing, I had someone once, um, a student of mine, I didn't tell him to do this, but a student at one point, a couple years ago, sponsored an event of mine. And I, you know, I positioned them and made them premium and really talked them up. And, and, and we had a great moment there. They had 15 minutes to speak. All that was yeah. good. But then they decided to do a text opt-in. Yep. And at the end, 
because it was like a brand new thing and they worked out the kinks. Instead of everyone clamoring going, here's my card, I'm so excited to get your freemium and so excited to work with you. Half the conversations were, um, I, I, got, I didn't get a text back yet. Oh, and, then, and then it was a conversation about, well, oh, you have T-Mobile, that didn't work, but AT&T did work. And uh -huh. it's just, the more tech you use, the more things can fail. Would you agree with it's, that? It's the wrong conversation and more things can yes. fail. And there's something like psychologically that when we see a paper in front of us, it's almost like we're in school. We're like, oh, I'm supposed to put my name on this, I think. And That's we've good. actually tested this one over and over and over again. One of the things we do with our company is we will test results, this versus this, this versus this, and we'll test it. And usually that, what we use is a quarter sheet card stock okay. opt-in page. We're talking at least a 40% more as far as what you're going to get people opting in. And since, since you're so generously offering that, could you share some of your favorite, how simple do you make it? I've had some people, let's just pretend we're doing a free strategy session is the big thing. Yep. Are you going to say name, phone number, email, mailing address? Is that it? I've had some people say, no. if you're going to get the strategy session, we're going to ask like two or three or four qualifying questions. Yeah. Let's start with that. Okay. So I actually, on this particular one, I don't ask their physical address. So it's name, email, um, type of business they have when is best to contact them? And we have a couple of options because we're going to be getting on a call. So they have to circle when is best to contact them, depending upon what the event is, but we're going to ask them what their biggest win is in this area, what's their biggest struggle in this area. And then we kind of seed the idea that they are going to be purchasing with us by saying, which of the following programs are you most interested in buying? Oh, wow. So you go right yeah. into here's the programs which one are you interested in buying or which one would you most likely be interested in yeah yeah it's something like that and we have three options they circle one so it it kind of hedges off another thing that happens sometimes when you get on these calls is oh i didn't know this was going to be into a sale or that there would be an offer it, it's right there they understand that that's what's going to happen we also always pair a strategy call or whatever we're going to call the call with a free downloadable as well. So it's kind of, you want that downloadable, you want to get on a call with us, so they get both. And you get both. I, I like that. I've been doing the same thing lately too. Very good. Julie, thank you for this. This is uh, incredible info as well. So let's come back to that final kind of question and let's round this up a little bit. So let's say I go, I love that strategy. I want to be the speaker on stage with the quarter sheet cardstock opt-in. I think it's brilliant. Yeah. I would love to speak at your event with 150 people, with 300 people and have a presentation and do a free gift. What yeah. would it take for me to get in there? And like, how do I bring value other than uh, sponsoring a spot? That's a great way to do it. What are some other ways that I could bring enough value that you'd say, you know what, I'd love to have you speak? It's going to be that middle ground of are people really like and know you, but you're not quite to the point I'm going to pay you $20,000. So, <laughs> so you might not have drawing it, power. Like, that's what it is. It's, it's, if I put your picture on a thing, and it's usually a local celebrity. So it's going to be somebody local and not necessarily a celebrity, but is well known in our field, perhaps. How, how about a guy like Dan Clark? Can oh, I put I him out Dan. there? Jeez. I love Dan. So cool story yeah so he has spoken on our stage he doesn't pay me uh we have a really good relationship he lives down the street from me and he shows up at my like last event and 
He's like, he, he's talking to my assistant and he's telling my assistant, ask Julie if I can have 15 minutes on her stage. And I'm like, okay, Dan. Anyway, like, that's kind of the relationship Dan and I have. Um, Dan's super well-known, especially in Utah, which is where right. we're both from. So yeah, it would be a situation like that where, you know, I know you really well. I know you can follow up. You're going to give great deliverable content. Our people are going to be thrilled that you're there. But it's not quite to the point where that's the reason they're coming is just to see you or you know they're not going to probably fly two states over to see you it's our people really enjoy you they know who you are i know who you are we formed a relationship it's kind of in that realm okay so i'd almost think of it as like you're it's not someone who is going to draw someone in who wasn't going to attend and now they will most likely, but exactly. it is someone that it's going to be a really great surprise. And they're going to at the, I've had a lot of speakers over the years, the same thing, right? They don't pay and mm -hmm. I don't pay them, but I know that when I bring them on, people go, Oh my gosh, like what a great event Matt puts on because we had, you know, I've had special forces veterans. I've had Olympians speak. I've had, uh, last time I had someone who's did three seasons of NBC's American Ninja warrior, former NFL mm -hmm. guy. But same thing, if you put his face up somewhere, no one's going to go, oh, of course. It's not Joe Montana, you know? Exactly. Um, so it wasn't that drawing power, but it was definitely a celebrity effect where I was like, look, I gave him an hour. He could speak, do whatever he wants. Didn't pay me a dime for it. Grateful to have him. And at the end, everyone went, wow, this event just went up a notch because Matt has some really great speakers here. So that's what I look for too. And it sounds like you're doing the same thing. That's exactly it. it. They're the ones that at the end of the event, everyone's like, holy crap, this person was great. And this person was great. And it adds to the fact that you're putting on a really high quality event and that that's what they can trust from you. Yeah. W would you say too, if you have someone who's in that quasi famous realm, whatever we just talked about, whatever we want to yeah. call that, does it help too? Cause sometimes I'll, I've had people who sell on stage a lot, but they go, Hey, like, look, I'd love to be on. That'd be great. I love to contribute. I don't need to sell anything if you don't want. Sometimes I like to do revenue share, but also I kind of nowadays I don't do revenue share. I tend to have paid sponsor speakers and they can sell something. But then anyone else, it's like, you're not selling because I don't want to have eight offers throughout a, a workshop, I, you know, maybe one or two or three or whatever. But when people that, are, that kind of could sell, they say, hey, like, I don't really need to. I go, oh, you know, that would be great. If you're willing to come and just kind of do a freebie or an opt-in and add value, I would love to have you on. Does that help you at all? Or do you care about that? Or do you think it doesn't matter based on, you know, if they have integrity and it's relevant to the audience, it doesn't matter? It matters a lot. We're okay. <laughs> not a sales, like it matters gigantically. Like we are strategically going, we're not going to have more than two sales this entire day. So everyone else is not selling. So how is that going to work? You know, we definitely yeah. are super picky about if they are allowed to sell. And those ones that are, we're doing it for free. They're going to come in, share some great information. They may do an opt-in for free, but whatever, like not a big pushy thing. Most of the time I want to make sure even what's happening after the opt-in, because if people end up on 50 strategy calls, that's not cool either. So, you know, we yeah. want to make it definitely a win-win for everyone, but like I am super strategic about who's selling, who's not, and it makes a lot of difference. That's really, really good. Well, Julie, we're a little bit over time, I promise. So I want to, <laughs> I'm already being a bad speaker. We went over time. So let, I want to get you out of here <laughs> as, as we, uh, as we sign off here, how can people find out more about you? I know your company, of course, is speaking seriously. It's speaking seriously.com. 
and speaking seriously on Facebook, Instagram, you know, all over social media. If we, if you do a couple things, you have your own events that we as speakers might be able to get booked at on various different ways. And then you also connect speakers to stages, which is such a huge thing. And you're so gracious about this. If any speaker listening wants to get booked on stage, which I think is the whole point of this podcast, how do we get in touch with you? And what's the best way to interact with you to hopefully get booked on yours or someone else's stage? The best way to contact me, and I was talking to Matt about this before, really the best way is to email me directly because I want to see who you are and how I can personally help you, what our team can do to help you get on the right stages for you. So I'm going to be Julie at speakingseriously.com. So that's Julie, just my name, Julie at speakingseriously.com. Message me again, give me an email there that just says, Hey, what can you do to help me find some stages or tell me a little bit more about what you're looking for, man. We can totally hook you up. We've got such a great team over here of people who can book you on our stage, get you on other stages, man. We've got so much to offer you guys as far as what we've got available there. Did you did you just give your your personal email out so people can just correct you can just, so. so you can just email Julie J U L I E at speakingseriously.com and say hey Julie now this is my my what I would say if you're going to email Julie say hey Julie um, I would love to get booked on yours or someone else's stage and then make it simple right make it easy for her. here's who I am here's a link to my bio or here's a bio attached here's what my speaking topic, the more you have ready, if you have a speaker one sheet, whatever you have, the easier it is for people like Julie to get you booked. If you don't have anything and you're like, I'm a great person and I can tell you all about it. if we jump on a call, that's not a good way to do it. So be prepared, send her everything you need. Julie speaking seriously.com. Julie, thank you so much for just the wealth of wisdom. I mean, this was an incredible conversation and one versions of it you and I have had over the years, but I'm glad to have done this uh, for the entire audience. Oh, I loved being here. Thank you so much, Matt, for having me. All right, Julie, talk to you soon. All right, guys, that's the show for this week. Man, Julie May, take her up on this. Julie at speakingseriously.com and the website is speakingseriously.com. Email is speakingseriously.com. Julie's a real deal. I have paid for many stages. I've been on all different seminars of hers and one she has connected me with. Very lucrative for my business and always people in integrity, a great, just a great relationship. So if you want to get booked on more stages, I can't recommend Julie May enough as someone to help you get that accomplished. Until next time, I'll see you on stage. Get out there and uh, beat and get booked and do both. All right. Bye-bye.